one day I'll have to teach you the dark magic of liquid lipstick. I have heard of that, but it seems like witchcraft. And and I'm frankly not okay with that because the Inquisition is always watching. It is witchcraft, but it's good witchcraft. Hmm. It sounds like the last thing you say before the Inquisition kicks down your door. Well, no one ever expects the Spanish Inquisition. Welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing pretty good. Today, we are talking about Revolutionary Girl Utena, episode 14, The Boys of the Black Rose. This is the first episode of the Black Rose Saga, which is the second arc of the anime, and things start to get darker here. The first arc was basically just the tutorial. You ever played a game, and you're like, you get through the first part, and you're like, wow, that was really tough, and then you realize that you're still in the tutorial, and you're like, you haven't even learned how to do all the cool tricks yet. This is what that's what just happened. Just three episodes in to this arc is already dark. Like it's already all the darkness of the first arc, only worse. Like afterwards, I can no longer look back at the first arc and think, "Oh wow, that was kind of dark." Like no, it's it's like they were all blissful and happy then. Everything was simple and and, and everything made sense. I actually kind of love that that description of the first arc in reference to the rest of the show of it being sort of like your tutorial for getting into the rest of the show. I'd never really thought about it that way, but that's a, an interesting way of putting it. They do actually. It kind of sets up the basic idea, the duels, all the basic ideas are, are set up in the in the first. It's actually really well designed. Yeah, I had never thought about it like that before. These are some good episodes, the first few episodes of this arc. I haven't done my rewatch in preparation for this show of uh, much more of this arc of the show, but I'm pretty excited about getting into it because I had forgotten just how good some of these episodes really are, even if they are... Uh, uncomfortable (laughs) to put it lightly i feel like i need to just reiterate that for basically the rest of the show like just one big trigger warning i there there's gonna be a lot that happens in this show that is uncomfortable and sometimes hard to watch or uh hard to think about and not a lot is shown very explicitly but i mean like if you are sensitive to themes of i mean well obviously we've already talked about how incestuous this show is because it's sort of hard not to but if you're sensitive to that if you're sensitive to uh molestation and uh, dubious sexual consent that is also something to uh, keep in mind as we continue with the show because that is a theme that will be coming up maybe not in this arc as much it's more implied in this arc than it is actually like happening as far as I can remember, I, I still have only watched like the first two episodes of this so far. But yeah, if, if you are sensitive to very heavy and mature topics, this this is not the show for you. Like this is a very good yeah. show. And I like to think that this show is different from sort of your run of the mill incest in anime 
and it's not as it's not as sexualized and well i mean it's sexual but it's not as like fetishized i guess do you know what i mean you could say yeah i think you could say as just as we go into this this next arc it's doesn't it doesn't feel quite as exploitative as you is this kind of stuff is often handled. And I think that's part of the point. Yeah, it's very much not only is it is very much obvious that this is not okay, but it it's there for a reason. Just about every instance of something that would make me uncomfortable in Utena so far, and and I've watched into the next like five or six is either something that directly keeps the plot going in a very in a way that makes sense. Or it's something that is very much tied into that character and is supported by, like, the groundwork for it has already been laid up till now. Things will take you by surprise, but not in and that they come out of left field. More in that the surprise is in that they're willing to go as far as they do. And they're willing to dig as deep into the character as much as they do. So don't be too hesitant. They're better about it than a lot of people would be. But also, you know, keep that in mind. There are definitely worse ways that they could have gone about telling the stories of these characters, and there are worse ways that they could have gone about portraying the things that happen in the show, but I like to think that the show kind of takes a pretty firm stance on this is not good, this, yeah. this is bad and toxic and harmful, and I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I just feel like, I feel obligated to make that point once more uh, before we really get into this, because I just, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's understandable. I want people to know what they're getting into. While I still, I consider this show to be very good and very interesting and very deep and other adjectives, I just also feel like it's important to make sure that people know what there that we are going to be talking about as our yeah. watching of the show continues because there's no way to not talk about it yeah unfortunately but i guess it we might as well start the episode now that we have talked for mm -hmm. uh 20 minutes <laughs> yeah well to be fair not all of that 20 minutes is actually going to make it into the podcast we get an establishing shot of a building i don't remember specifically which building this is and we are seeing a new character that we have not seen before. This is a young man with purple hair, and, and he is in a red suit, and he is joined by a young man in a blue suit with pink hair. The one with pink hair is named Soji, and he and the boy with the purple hair are talking about Toga and how he has been gone lately and how the school has been much less dramatic as it has been previously. And the boy with the pink hair, whose name is uh, Soji Mikage, uh, I think they call him Mikage throughout a lot of the show, yeah. uh, he thinks that this is a good thing and that a school is a place of quiet and learning. We see this first scene where... We hear Anthe saying that she is leaving, but we don't really see anything. We hear a door close, but most everything that's happening in the scene is happening in shadow. And I just need everyone who has watched Utena previously to listening to this podcast to join me in hating this very quick scene and appreciate that I cannot talk about a lot of it 
until we get later in the show. <laughs> because spoilers. Because Josh hasn't seen the rest of the show, but we have. I have not. You and me, listener who has already seen Utena, we are alone in knowing so many terrible, terrible things about this show that Josh is not prepared for yet. I am not even prepared to prepare myself. That's the way to do it. Utena has come home and she's talking to Choo Choo and she says that she wishes Anthe had been with her where she was because she thinks Anthe needs to better develop her social skills. Which is true. Which is true. And she's talking about how Anthe is curiously absent from the house on a lot of Saturday nights. And she asks Choo Choo why that is. And Choo Choo falls out of a window out of trying to avoid answering the question, even though he can't talk. But he doesn't give up a secret. And that's admirable. Anthe has shown up and Utena asks her where she goes every Friday. And Anthe says she goes to visit her brother. And Utena's like, you have a brother? And of course, no one saves Choo Choo. No, Choo Choo falls out the window. And... Wrong floor. Utena and Anthe are in an elevator, and the elevator opens, and Utena thinks that they have gone to the wrong floor, but they're on the right floor. This is where we are going to meet Anthe's big brother. He has a uh, planetarium projector, and we see He's also underneath hard it. On some girl. Underneath it, he is getting very intimate with some girl that we don't know yet. And then Utena and Anthe leave the room, and the next shot is of the two of them with her brother and the girl from earlier drinking tea, and they are talking about how Utena didn't know that Anthe's brother was the chairman of the school. He's not actually the chairman of the school. The real chairman is the father of the girl that he is sitting with, who has just revealed that she and Akio, which is Anthe's brother's name, are going to be married soon, as soon as she graduates high school it's just his voice is so like imposing and impressive you watch the japanese versions of these episodes correct i do i have actually never heard akio's japanese voice are you watching the dub i yeah i usually watch the dub i mean i have this is surreal i use the sub for when we're doing these episodes but i watch the dub normally if i find a comment i'll name it after you Akio likes stargazing and his... Also, he also likes being a player, apparently. His betrothed was teasing him about his love of stargazing, and he said that he was going to name a comet after her. And Kane says, nothing bad ever happens at Otori Academy, which is the biggest lie that has ever been said ever in the whole show. And we have that, that cutaway of her pick, of somebody picking the, that black rose from earlier. Yes. And then we also have one of Anthony's like real uh, creepy dead smiles. Yeah, we have uh, Kane was talking to Anthony about how they're going to be sisters soon. And Anthony's just like, okay. But now we cut to Mikage, who is talking to a couple of professors, it seems. And he has apparently written a paper for them. And they are attempting to give him payment for this. And Mikage works by mob rules, where uh, you don't pay him for his service. But one day, he will call upon you to provide him with a favor. It's also worth noting that those are academics, and apparently he wrote them a paper. Yes. So, like, this is super shady and, and also terrible. What presence he has. 
if you know if you if you don't know what he's doing, he's looking at facsimiles of um old pages on that screen. I did the not know that. Yeah, the technology looks kind of eighty, like late eighties ish. Yeah, it's interesting. They refer to his seminar as the Mikage seminar, but in the dub, they refer to it as the Black Rose seminar. And the academics have left, and Miki enters the room. And apparently, Mikage has offered for him to join his seminar, but Miki doesn't feel like he would be a good fit. Mikage says that a great mind such as his would be a good addition, but... Then he says, if that is your decision, I don't have a choice. But he says that the offer stands and Miki gets up and leaves. Because he's far too pure for this. Utena and Anthe are presumably leaving Akio's building and they're talking about how Anthe appreciates that Utena did not mention to Akio the Rose Bride duelist stuff and that she doesn't want her brother to know her secrets. Which... Then, of course, makes us wonder, how did this all start? We will learn. But now Utena and Anthe are talking to Miki. Miki says there's something he wanted to check on in the reference room. And Utena jokes about how he even likes to study on his days off. And then we get a a quick shot of the stopwatch. We learn that the building that Miki was in, apparently a hundred boys were buried alive in it. Which is really creepy, and also something I would totally believe a school would have an urban legend about. Yeah. We cut to a scene of Mikage and the boy with the purple hair, and Mikage says that he is going to make the boy with the purple hair his rose bride. This whole conversation is really weird. This is why in my head I started calling, I can't remember his name now, because I've just been calling him like, evil Anthe the whole time in my head. I don't remember his name right now either. I just call him Boy Anthe when I can't think of his name, which is a, a good descriptor I mean, of him. Anthe, if you will. Like, Anthe. Yes. I mean, he, he it, it is eerie, actually. We have He is Kane. very unsettling. Kane, Kane for interview. goes into the building where all of those boys were buried alive, and she says she has an interview, presumably with the seminar. The phrase, like the word interview through this entire arc will make you feel certain emotions, so be prepared for that. Yeah. Everything about the decor and the aesthetic of this place is creepy. There are a bunch of chairs lining the hallway, and they all have signs that say interview and have a hand pointing to where the interview is. Here we go. Kane is sitting in a room, and... She is being talked to by a voice who we cannot see the source of, but is Mikage. And she says that next spring she plans to be married and that her father is the one who selected Akio for her to marry. She says that he is childlike sometimes, but more mature than she is sometimes. But then he watches over her and she wants to do anything for him she feels that way from the bottom of her heart i think we are supposed to believe that this is an elevator and that is what i refer to it as as an elevator yeah there's the illusion of it moving downwards which we can't tell if it actually is or not this whole thing is very much a dark parody of a confessional booth and that that is really creepy frankly like you You have just blew my mind yeah it is very much what they're doing if you've ever seen the shining here you go 
this is the shining you've got they 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 like you have the backgrounds are changing constantly every time that you look at this picture of the of the butterfly it'll change you have but i was saying earlier but it's a confessional booth you have the setup is the exact same you go into a little room you sit at a little at a little on a little chair or bench and you talk to someone and and confess to them through but you can never see them you can only hear them it's exactly what it is you know i don't know why that did not occur to me at all before because it's so obvious like even the way that she's sitting like it's so obvious yeah that's like everyone who comes into this elevator through this arc will kind of carry themselves in the same way and it will be it, it, it there's so much eeriness here like I, I don't even know where to begin unpacking it <laughs> just in this just in this one sequence like everything in the sequence everything about the aesthetic of this building is designed to make you uncomfortable the hands the fact there's no one there the idea of the interview you have the confessional booth things changing in the background unexplained like the sliding panels that suggest movement but nothing else just movement Nothing makes sense. Whereas before it was just kind of weird and dreamlike. Now it is creepy as hell. They that that's what that's where the darkness kind of begins with this, and it's going to get worse. Yeah, it, there is a lot about this arc that is deeply unsettling. Uh, it something uh, something I wanted to bring up earlier that I forgot to bring up when it was actually happening, but I will bring up now. Uh, your comment about the confessional booth reminded me that I wanted to mention the bit where Mikage wants boy Anthe to become the new Rose Bride reminds me of, and you'll know more about this than I will because I am not uh, as well versed in history as you are, especially religious history, but it kind of reminds me of that one time when there were two popes. <laughs> yes, that's the thing that happened. That was not one time. That was actually many times. Okay, yeah, but I was thinking about yeah. like... I don't know. Pope and anti-pope. Yeah, probably one in, one time in particular. But yeah, it made me think of when there were two popes, and then it's like, which one is the actual pope? <laughs> yeah, I can't see that. Yeah, that was just a, a joke that I wanted to make earlier when they were talking about it, and I just totally forgot because I couldn't... I was too busy focused on the fact that I couldn't remember boy Anthony's name. I'm going to look that up right now. He's anti-Anthy now. There's got to be a way to combine the words anti and anthy. Anthy? I have no idea. I kind of wish that he had some kind of facial hair so that I could make a joke about Mirror Universe Anthony. Oh, man. That would be so funny. I mean, that's basically what he is. Like, he, he has the, the same soft voice. The looks very similar. The hair even looks similar. It just it, it is eerie. I don't know who he is in relation to her yet. But I'm assuming that they are Negaverse twins. This man's name is Mamiya Chida. What? Mamiya is his first name. Chida is his last name. At least I think that's how it's pronounced. I They didn't say it at all in this episode uh, as far as the English dub goes. And I assume that since they didn't say it in the English dub, they also probably didn't say it in the Japanese dub. But yeah, Mamiya or I, I don't know. I'll find out how that's pronounced in the future but yeah his name is mamia or mamia maybe that'll be better mamia i feel like that sounds better mama mia got it i guess we have to call him mama mia now because that's too funny not to 
It's canon now. It wasn't our decision to make the will of the people. Now we just need a super cut of all the times that people are riding in the elevator uh, set to Mamma Mia, here I go again. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Please. Kane is talking about a memory of her giving a very nice scarf to Anthe and Anthe using it to wipe her glasses and she is offended by this. And then she makes the first reference to anyone thinking that Anthe's stare is uncomfortable. And I think that that's an interesting point. That's not me. Okay, yeah, I mean in the show. Yeah, she's the first one to really acknowledge it. That little bit of dialogue honestly makes me kind of feel really bad for her. It's no use. She starts to break down because she just wants Anthe to like her, but she doesn't feel like there's anything she can do. And she says there's no use. And Mikage says that there has been a path prepared for her. This- there we go. All the panels that we saw earlier. The doors open. You're not really... See, it has to be an elevator. Yeah, it does appear to be an elevator. Mikage has opened up... What appears to be like a, like a, it's like a drawer from a morgue, a morgue with a, yeah, a body in it. It's very much supposed to be that. He pulls a rose duelist ring off of the person's finger and it has turned black because they have died. And uh, Mama Mia walks up behind Kane with a black rose and... She's so scared. Kane is told that she has been chosen, and Mamma Mia stabs her with the black rose. You see the black rose come over over her as the big sensor. That scream lasts a really long time. Yeah, I was going to mention, that scream is really unnerving. Like, it is this weird, insane, long scream that's somewhere between absolute terror and pain and, and, and also really excited about something, and it's just weird. Wakaba and Anthe are talking to each other, and Wakaba is complaining that nothing interesting ever happens at the school. And she was punching the air for a second, and it was very cute. That was a very cute Wakaba piece of animation. And something interesting, and this is going to be something that continues throughout this arc, I believe. The Aiko and Biko sketch happens, but Utena is standing there. The environment in which the skit was taking place looks different from previous ones. And Utena is actually sort of standing there at her locker while it is occurring next to her. Extra, extra, extra. At last, at last, at last, at last, what I feared has come. Isn't it a little early for her? Well, she is very grown up. Okay, say ah. Uh. Ah. Uh. Well, what shall we do about this wisdom tooth? Ah. Uh. Oh, what should I do? Pull it out. And then she del- is she the one delivering the final line? I couldn't tell, actually. It was sort of hard to tell. And now we get Utena going to the dueling arena. Uh, it's good to hear that old familiar music again. Yeah, there's a lot Singing about this about arc that is powers. different, but this is a constant. Utena and her determined face. Man, I love me some determined Utena walking upstairs. We've also had entirely different kind of challenge. Like, the challenges are all different now. Like, before, challenges were tended to be face-to-face. And very personal. The one we just got was like, now they're in her, this time that's in her locker. Whereas 
guys before, like they all seem to be more like I'm verbally challenging you. It's the same idea, but you know, there's there's variations as we go. Yeah, and we're about to see that the duel itself is also different from previous duels, which were a lot more uh, just straightforward sword dueling. Utsuna gets to the archway where the dueling arena is, and there are desks everywhere, and there are flowers on all of the desks. And she's like, what the heck? Oh, don't forget the um, body outlines. There are body outlines like you would see at a crime scene almost all over the floor. We see a figure with blonde hair wearing something that appears to be similar to Utena's dueling uniform. Who could it be? It's Kane. And she says she's going to kill the Rose Bride. Anthe says Kane isn't the same as we remember her. And Kane says, no, this is the real me, the other me I buried within myself. So long as this black rose exists, I won't be playing that phony me anymore. And Uta says, the black rose is doing it? And before she can get an answer, Kane says, draw your sword or I'm going to kill the rose bride. Which is decidedly different. Yes, very different from previous dueling challenges, which were about possessing the Rose Bride. And also, there were, the previous dueling challenges, there was still a chance that, you know, like, you could, if you lost, you could just fight again. But no, this is a this is an instant death scenario. Yeah, things are getting a lot more serious. Look at that intensity. Connie's sword looks a lot like Utena's to me. Would you agree? Yeah, kind of. They're the same basic idea. It's a straight saber. Really, in a lot of ways, she just kind of looks like she's a clone of Utena. Yeah, and I think that that's the point. Yeah. Utena says she's not going to go easy on Kane anymore, and then she summons the power of Dios and charges forward and cuts the black rose off of Kane's breast. And the black ring crumbles from Kane's finger, and she drops to her knees on the ground and lays on one of the body outlines that was there before. Perfect, perfectly filling it. And then we see the body of the deceased duelist, like, drop into the flames. Mikage says, no wonder End of the World had no place for her. Creating makeshift duelists won't be enough to defeat her. Whatever that means. Utan is eating edamame, and Anthe is about to leave to go visit her brother. Utena asks if Kane is okay after what happened, and Anthe assures her that she's alright. Utena is relieved, and she asks if Kane remembers anything, and Anthe says no, she doesn't remember anything up until the duel. Utena says, you know, well, I guess that means we can't ask her anything about it, and she didn't want to hurt somebody that was so close to Anthe's brother, who's going to be her sister. As Anthe is leaving, Utena tells her to say hello to her brother for her. Utena wants to know why Choo Choo is not going with Anthe, and he just looks worried. And Akio is sitting on his couch in a way that makes me very uncomfortable. Anthe walks over to a table and takes her glasses off. Akio says, come here, Anthe. Anthe turns around, and she's got kind of a weird look on her face. Have we ever seen her without her glasses? I don't think so. Because it's unsettling. The windows darken. Stars. Akio says, it's been a week. Did you miss me? And Anthe says, she did. And the stars light up in the planetarium. 
and then we see Utana sleeping at her desk for a moment, and then to be continued. So yeah, that last scene with Akio and Anthe is uncomfortable and hard to talk about without spoiling future parts of the show. It is, yeah, it's, it's weird. Seeing Anthony without glasses is weird. It's all just weird. Yeah. Ugh. I I have so much that I wish I could say, but I'll have to save it for future episodes. Because I have a lot of opinions about a character that we have met in this episode that we did not know before, but I cannot share these opinions. Nope. Not yet. Spoilers. Spoilers. So yeah, how'd you feel about that episode? It's a good episode. Um, it really is. It really is. It's, we're definitely taking, it's not just getting, like, we I say getting darker, but reality what's going on is that the first arc of Utana is very much surrealist, kind of like, it borrows, it's sort of like, it wants you, it wants to feel like a really weird dream. It's dark sometimes, but not like ultra dark, and it's always this sense of like, you know, if you step back from this, it's, it could, it could always be worse, it could always, like, it's never quite that bad. Because there's always a sense that Utena can still, like, save the day, basically. Yeah. Or, like, we have, like, one or two whole episodes where it's just Don and me getting into ludicrous trouble, which is still going to happen in this arc, too. Ooh, yes it is. Oh, yes. But just beginning this arc, and it's everything is different. We've we, we've added a lot of horror elements that kind of are out of nowhere. Um, we've had things that are a little weird or unsettling before, but... Everything about the seminar building is straight out of it's 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 horror class horror staple horror staples. You've got discarded things like the shoes all lined up for a purpose that can't be seen. You've got weird Im- you, you've got imagery that suggests but doesn't actually communicate anything. You've got you, you've even got a, a dark parody of, of a religious thing. Like, you've got everything a horror movie would need for a great setting all in that building, and we're going to see a lot of it. It's never going to get any less dismaying. And what happens in those scenes is going to get kind of, uh, some of them are dark. Very dark. This is, I think, I feel confident to say that this is probably the least dark of the ones you're going to see. Well, it is only the beginning. Oh, it's only the beginning. Yeah, I like this episode a lot. There are certain things that I want to talk about but can't which I've said a couple of times already, but it's because I have so many feelings about Utena as a show, not just the character. But I don't want to get into anything that we haven't talked about yet because I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But yeah, I I like this episode because I feel like it is a very good setup for the Black Rose arc. We get all of the beats that we're going to go through as the rest of this arc goes on because each arc of Utena has a bit of repetition to it. Like within itself, there are similar story beats that we tend to hit in every episode. And while that can be repetitive, I think that it's a good thing that we switched it up from the first arc to now this new arc where we aren't just dealing with the student council anymore or actually we didn't even see them at all this episode except for mickey and we saw a flash of toga at one point but yeah like like really yeah we really have like we're moving away from them we're still gonna get to deal with the student council which is great 
But yeah, I I think that it's a good thing that the show has moved beyond just dealing with the student council because I feel like you couldn't really do a whole show just about that. Uh, and I feel like the ways in which a lot of the staples of the first arc have been changed in this new arc are interesting and engaging in a way that I'm uh, excited to get to the rest of the arc and because there there are a lot of episodes like I mentioned before that I just I don't remember uh, the plots of until I look at the synopsis or even if I do look at the synopsis I'm like I don't remember that happening and then it all comes back it's all coming back to you that's how it works but yeah um anything else to say about this episode any thoughts any feelings it's gonna get creepier that's uh, my only real feeling yeah, I like that we're getting introduced to new characters. We got four this episode, but I don't know how much Kane is a recurring figure like going forward. She's not as important as say uh, Akio or Mikage or Mama yeah, Mia. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure if we see her. Well, I think we might see her like once or something, but I don't think she's really important again. She's certainly not a major player as far as everything else goes. She served her purpose. She was the monster of the day for this episode, so to speak. And, you know, now we're not really going to see very much of her. But Akio and Mamma Mia and Mikage are all important figures in this arc of the anime. And so we're going to get to learn more about these guys. Oh, man. You might say we're going to get to learn more about the boys of the Black Rose. Just that name. The boys are back in town. I was going to sing it earlier, but I couldn't remember the song. That's basically, that song sums up the whole arc. Art done. Moving on. Yeah, it's kind of funny how they call it the boys of the Black Rose. They don't use the word boy a lot. I mean, they do, but not like in episode titles, I guess. But I mean, this is Revolutionary Girl Utena, so shrug. Shrug. Yeah, I'm really excited to do the next episode because it's got Kozue and Miki. We get to uh, look into their sibling relationship more, so that's exciting. Josh likes Miki, so you know. He is kind of my husband though, like low-key though. He's so cute. He's so pure. He's the only member of the student council that isn't bad in some way. I mean, he is a little, but like not like in the way that everyone else is. But in a sort of, like, being a teenager way, and even then, like, he's bad mostly in that he he is not standing up to what they're doing. But when I also kind of get the feeling that, like, his word wouldn't really mean much to them anyway. So, I don't know. I'm just trying to make him more okay because I love him more. I love him so much. He's certainly the most naive member of the student council. Well, I don't know. Uh, in comparison to Naname... Yeah, I mean, not amazing more so, but like... It's different kinds of naivety. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Technically, Naname is more naive, but she is also younger. But, I mean, we don't even really know how old a lot of these characters are. Like, they're a, a, a lot of them are assumed to be the same age, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because Miki seems younger than the rest of the student council, but he's also in Utena and Anthe's grade, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I might look that up later. I might not. Who knows? But yeah, uh, good episode. Good start to this new arc. And we are in for it. I think that's all for me. 
All right. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utenicast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Mpandanata. Josh, what's your Twitter handle? I am at Lyrewolf. You can spell L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. Do you use your Twitter very much? I use it occasionally. I never see your, you posting. Every now and then I will get on Twitter and I will retweet or re-whatevers a bajillion tweets and then I will disappear into the darkness. <laughs> but I'm always watching. I'm most active on my Twitter when I have important things I need to be doing. <laughs> if you want to follow us on Tumblr, you can do that at imagineandutina.tumblr.com. If you want to email us, if you have any questions, concerns, corrections, opinions, thoughts of any kind, you can send those there to imagineandutina at gmail.com, or you can send those to us on Twitter. We did get one uh, tweet from somebody about talking about they were... They had said that they were enjoying the podcast and they wanted to know if we would be watching the movie. And the answer to that, which I said on the Twitter account, but I will repeat here, is yes, we are going to be watching the movie after we finish Woo-hoo! the whole series. We will watch the series, then we will watch the movie, and then we will watch the live action musical. Hey guys, Future Panda here. Since the recording of this episode, this information has actually changed. We are going to be watching the musical for the 20th anniversary of Utena coming up in April. And we are also going to be recording a mini episode where we talk about the 13th episode, which was a clip show because one of our Twitter followers requested it. And Josh and I will basically do anything if you ask us nicely enough. Uh, Anyway, back to the episode. It's a musical, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, is it? Well, I couldn't remember if it was just a stage play or if it was a musical. I figured it was a musical. Japan loves their live-action anime musicals. Unfortunately, yes. I disagree with your assessment of that being unfortunate, because I am delighted by the existence of a lot of them. I mean, I am too, but in a sort of like the same way I'm delighted by like Con Air. I've never seen Con Air. Isn't that a Nick Cage movie? Yes, it is the Nicolas Cage movie. That's what I heard. I've just never seen it. But yeah, well, also, I think to my knowledge, I don't know if this is true for the Utena musical because I don't know how it could be. But I know that some of the musicals that anime are adapted into are more intended for younger audiences, like for children. And that has an impact on some of the quality because they often have to be very childish and uh, showy in order to keep the attention of small children. There is a musical in the Sailor Moon musical series where they meet Dracula. I'm not kidding. That's real. What? That's a real thing. The Sailor Business podcast, which inspired this podcast did an episode on it and they said that despite how hilarious the premise is of the sailor scouts meeting dracula it is actually not that good because it's made for babies wow uh, i'm not even sure how to just reply to that yeah it's sailor moon has a crazy canon the Sailor Moon musicals have an even crazier canon. I need to I need to watch that. Well, if you don't know that much about Sailor Moon, you might have a hard time keeping up. But also, they are made for babies, so they probably introduce everything <laughs> at the beginning of every uh, musical. 
So, I don't know. Maybe you could watch one without any context. I think I'd probably enjoy it even more without the context. Well, if you have any questions, you uh, can always ask me because I have a quasi-encyclopedic knowledge of a lot of Sailor Moon canon because I I'll have a problem. But that does us for this week. Revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later. Thank you.